Hello, welcome to the MF Gamers Pinball Special Podcast with me, Jim, and I'm joined by... Me, Simon. Hey, basically both me and Simon play a lot of digital pinball and some real-life pinball as well, so I thought it'd be interesting to just have a chat about pinball experiences, what our particular favourite tables are, what our favourite games are, where we played it in real life, maybe some tips and things as well perhaps, and then sort of go from there really. Yeah. How did you actually get into pinball then? For me, it were a case of arcade games pricing me out of playing. So in the 90s, we started getting stuff like Sega Rally and Ridge Racer and, and all those other oh, yeah. Saturn and PlayStation 1 games. So where the production quality went right up and then the, also the price went up as well then? Yeah, yeah, there were a quid for like one credit, which is expensive to a 12, 13 year old or however old I was when those started appearing. And at the same time, pinball were in a bit of a downturn. Those games were 50 pence for a credit or free credits in some cases, those older games. So like, would this be when you'd go to, were these like local arcades then or was it like you used to go on holiday or? The cre- the crazy thing is, yeah, I never ever played pinball at home. It were always a holiday thing for me. Right, okay. So you go to your typical British seaside town, run down, the arcades are starting to fail, and it's going across to fruit machines because that's what's making the money. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But being under 18, it was a case of, I can't use them, but hey, these <laughs> machines look interesting, let's have a go on them. So that's where I started playing. I also started playing in digital pinball with games like Pinball Dreams and Pinball Fantasies. Right. I used to enjoy them, but I were never really, really that focused into them. It was one of those things where I'd spend maybe an hour or two, ages and ages apart. I were never really that dedicated to it. They were like a time waster. Yeah. That's my introduction to pinball. What about you? Well, see, mine's more recent, I think, really. As a kid, I was kind of maybe aware of pinball tables, and I had, for Christmas one year, my parents got me, there was like a Tomy tabletop mini pinball table. Yeah, I remember those. The space theme one, it had like orange flippers and things. They weren't very big, were they? Like A4 size no, or something tiny. like that. Like, yeah. size of a, like a, maybe a, a small laptop would be now, I suppose. But it was quite cool, though. So it had like a working scoreboard, like a little manual scoreboard, so when you hit the flippers, it like dinged the, the score round and things and didn't have any particular runs or anything really it was mainly just scoring off bumpers primarily there were no missions or quests or anything no so nothing like that no 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 aim to it really just keep going until you got bored of it really i suppose so i played that quite a lot at that point i was like oh, this is quite cool but it wasn't like oh i love pinball it wasn't really until maybe four years ago three years ago perhaps when actually i think speaking to you on the forum about pinball and in fact it was when the portal pinball table had just come out for mm. fx because i love portal it's one of my favorite games and I thought oh, this looks cool downloaded the trial and was shit at it couldn't get on with it and I think you might have posted about it in the FX thread or the pinball thread and thought well I'll take a chance on it and buy it for uh, six quid or whatever much it was on PlayStation store might have been a bit more perhaps and then just played it for ages like spent about three four hours in one sitting just learning it and I suppose really the tricky bit was having not really watched pinball particularly before was trying to avoid the flappy flippers so just like randomly bashing and sort of hitting hoping mm. And actually figuring out, okay, there's a method to this. More depth to it than what you sort of first realised. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit further on into the show. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a big thing that people sort of don't realise when they start playing pinball. They do Mm. that and just think it's a game of chance. Yeah, definitely so. And it's not at all. Yeah, it's not as random as you think it is. I suppose on the, the flip side too is where I started digitally and then went on to physical pinball tables. Mm. There's a bar in central Birmingham called Tilt. So it is craft beer and coffee and pinball tables. But when I last went down there, they had, I think, about 14 or 16 tables. And they're all hand-picked. And ba- I think they're pretty much now the, the best collection of pinball tables in the UK. And where you've got like all your classics. So you've got like, your Adam's Family, your Star Trek, TNG, all those kind of big-name tables. Yeah, Twilight Zone. Funhouse. They've got Twilight Zone now because I meant to go down there and play it. Really well sort of curated selection of tables. And so from playing digitally, I went on to play physically there. They have uh, like a Monday league that's once a month. So I played in the Monday league for a bit and things as well. And yeah, so that's kind of how I, I suppose I landed in it, I guess, really. But yeah, not quite recently though, comparatively to yourself. So leading from there then, what is it about pinball that you like particularly? What is it that makes you sort of come back to it or want to go see those physical tables or sort of boot it up on PC or whatever? For me, when you look at games like Resogun or Super Stardust, even stuff like Trials HD, it's basically score as many points as you can. Whereas I think with pinball, it's more objective based. Yeah. There's a set of skills that you can take across many games or many tables in this case, whereas you can't. I mean, I guess you can sort of do it. If you're good at Super Stardust, it's going to go across and you're going to be good at Geometry Wars or something like that. 
Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's like a, a, a transferable skill. skill set from the transferable skill, but possibly more so with Kumball, I guess, yeah. But yeah, that's what I like. I like the idea of being able to get good at something. I don't want to say spread it across a lot of games because there's, from a digital and a physical aspect, the games are very, very different. Definitely so, yeah. The angles and stuff and, and the pacing of them are very, very different. But it only takes a while to acclimatise. It's like, okay, I've got this table's number and I'm yeah, going to yeah. put a certain score past it. What about you? Yeah, I guess kind of the same, really. I mean, what initially got me into it was... Like in FX, I like the theme of the tables, generally speaking. So I like the Star Wars tables, and I like the sort of portal tables and like that. So that was maybe the initial hook. I mean, you look at pinball tables, real-life pinball tables, and they're sort mm. of themed around something like Lord of the Rings or Star Trek or... Yeah, or Game of Thrones and things. Yeah, or Wizard of Oz or whatever. Like, the, yeah. the more recent ones are, are very flashy in that manner. And they've always been that yeah. way. Like, you, you go back and yeah, look at yeah. the old 60s ones. They're very eye-catching. Yeah, definitely so. That's right. And they've got to be. And I think that's definitely part of the element, isn't it? I think where you've got that hook of the sound and the visual and things like that. But definitely, very quickly, it became, like yourself, it became a score-chasing thing, which obviously helps in digital pinball where you can see other people's scores you've already got an inbuilt target to hit and things like that and also it came from wanting to get better myself mm. and again we're probably going to touch on this a bit later on but with a lot of pinball tables or certainly with a good pinball table if something goes wrong it's from where you've made a poor decision as opposed to a lot of the time where the table screwed you over on, on a good table what's that happens sometimes on other tables though mm. And so where I could see where I'd made a mistake and then cocked it up, I think, okay, well, that was my fault, but I can go back and maybe hit that uh, ramp from this side. And so I knew on certain tables I could maybe sort of keep doing the same mission to then sort of get my multipliers up and things like that. There's a, a very direct path in there. Like you sort of, mm. you work out the path that's best for you. Yes, definitely, yeah. And I think that's what's good about it. You can sort of adapt in that way. So yeah, partially score chasing, partially exploration, I think, mm. is why I like it. And especially when you get like a really good table and they've got that just right where you've got like a variety of missions and things that are maybe sort of different to what you've seen previously or it's a particularly well laid out table and it's good fun to play. And then that's when you can pour hours into it. When you can just, when mm. I can, well, me personally, I can sort of disappear into it because I've got different things to explore or even just doing the same things round and round but getting better at them. Pardon the pun, but I, I find it very zen. Sometimes when you get really good <laughs> at a table and it's yeah. like... no, definitely. Absolutely, you just yeah. turn off. Yeah. You're not really thinking about what you're doing. You're just doing it. Yeah, <laughs> it's automatic. Until somebody mm. comes into the room and then you lose your score instantly because you've lost your... You've, you've clicked out of it. <laughs> For the people that ever played Guitar Hero or Rock Band, where yeah, them same, notes are coming down, thing. it's like, I've literally no idea now why I'm hitting all these notes. I, they're just, yeah, it's just yeah, happening. Yeah. And as soon as you think about it, it's like, oh, fucked up, and that's it, it's gone. Joe, your score streak's gone. And it's yeah, very much so, the yeah. same in pinball. Like, <laughs> you get in the zone. Yeah, definitely so. Well, what are your favourite tables, and also what makes them a good table, or what makes a bad table as well? So what, what things ruin a table for you? So for me personally, if we're talking real-life tables and digital tables... Mm. Yeah, obviously the ones, Star Trek and the Adams Family. Spring to mind is really, really good physical tables. Interestingly, the original Zen tables, they were just copies of those. You had Speed Machine, a skateboarding one which I hated, and then Agents <laughs> and Buccaneer. Agents was the next generation and Buccaneer was the Adams Family. Basically the right, same okay. set of rules, everything. I think Agents might have been flipped, but yeah, Buccaneer is like for like. It's just got a pirate theme on it. But yeah, I, I think those tables, they feel like they're not dicking you over as much. There's mm -hmm. a lot of yep. tables where it's like, oh my God, I, I'm just... You've got to remember that pinball machines are designed to take money. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And some of them are very, very fucking brazen about this. They, they will fucking take your money and over 50 <laughs> if you let them. But they became an era in the... 90s where they sort of knew they were up against it people were tired yep. of the Joe the harder tables as it were and they became more lenient there became a point where if you missed a ramp so th this is another thing like that I wanted to talk about with just straight down the middles and gutter balls yeah yeah like outlane balls all the tables didn't give a fuck like they'd punish you if you went halfway up a ramp It'd come yeah. straight back and set out yeah, an outlay yeah, yeah. or straight down the middle. And for a lot of people that played, they'd be like, hey, this ain't fair. 
but when you spend a lot of time playing, you get to the point where I totally fuck that up. That's my doing. Mm-hmm. And just because it's gone straight down the middle or gone to an out lane doesn't mean that the table is necessarily bad. It means that I fucked up. You've done it wrong. I could yeah. have done something better. Once you connect those dots and think, ah, that fault was totally on my shoulders. I'm completely to blame. Then you start to enjoy pinball more. Yeah. People don't make the connection because it's so frenetic and fast-paced for the most. They see a ball go straight down the middle and it's like, I couldn't do anything about yeah, that. The table did that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's not. It's your actions have a consequence. So like we were saying about so obviously in that kind of 90s period where tables maybe got a bit easier and obviously we had the introduction of more kind of interactive elements in tables. Mm and like um, sort of digital displays and things because for me personally like those those are great and I definitely would agree they're amongst like my favourite tables like things like Medieval Madness and sort of mentioned Cruising USA earlier for me it feels like almost they've gone a bit the other way now so if we look at like games that Stern have made recently like, like ACDC for example is just a bastard I find that I've only played mm. that, I've only played it in real life not on digital and that is hard as fuck like I can't, I can't get anywhere on it and I've mm. put quite a bit of time and money into that game and it just screws me over every time. I think I'm a reasonably experienced player and that to me feels like the table is not cutting you any breaks anywhere. When you sort of break those tables and you get into it then they are I think rewarding. It's like Game of Thrones for example is a pretty tough table to make any kind of sort of traction with but when you do all of a sudden you sort of get multiplies for things mm. and you're sort of hitting the missions and things like that and it kind of forces it to place. Wizard of Oz and God, Ghostbusters yeah. I find are really really yeah. fucking difficult. Yeah I wanted to like Ghostbusters so much because that table looks amazing. One of the best looking looking tables at Stern. It does look like it's come straight from the 80s as well, doesn't it? It does, yeah, and it looks like covered it bastard hard. Yeah, it is. is. (laughs) The Walking Dead is really fucking difficult as well. Oh, I see, I've not played that. Not the actual live version of that. You're right. I think they're going back, but I think you've got to realise that people that are playing pinball now are sort of aficionados anyway. True, yeah. They know what they want. Pinball tables are fucking expensive. There's a lot of moving parts. Not so much on the brand spanking new ones because it's all done by computers. There's still a lot of solenoid stuff going on and switches and mechanics under the table. But a lot of it, it's more computerised. You look at something from the electromechanical era. Mm. There's no RAM there. It was just basically going off switches. Yeah, which what makes them more impressive as well. It does, yeah. If you look at things like Adam's family where you got like things hand coming and grabbing the ball when you hit certain things and then, you know, the like the triggers for the multiples and things like that. If you think that actually that is uh, happening in an analogue fashion, I suppose, want of a better word. Well, no, you have the electromechanical era. The electromechanical era, if there's nothing digital in there, it's electromechanical. So the ones that have got bells and stuff. Oh, right, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You had that era where it's just everything is, everything's mechanical. And looking under the hood of one of those machines is, I imagine for some people, pulling up the hood of a pinball machine is like gearheads lifting the bonnet on like a Jaguar or something on an Aston Martin. Yeah. Actually getting to look and, you know, see how things work inside is, if you're mechanically minded and you enjoy all that sort of stuff, then yeah, you're going to have a field day with that. Yeah. The next area is the digital era, so you start ending Mm. up with boards, microchips and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is where you start seeing digital scoring boards. EDB, electronic display board. Yeah, just a standard, generally your alarm clock, when it gets turned off it flashes the 8888 sort of thing. It's just that um, type of scoreboard. There's no dot matrix display or anything like that. There's no dot matrix, yeah. It's a straight LED display that's just showing bars. Those games are working off tiny, tiny amounts of RAM. And when I say tiny, tiny amounts, I mean tiny, tiny amounts. For instance, the logo on the MF Gamers website is probably working with more (laughs) RAM, with more data than most of the things made in the 80s, almost certainly. Yeah, definitely. You move on to the dot matrix display, which is... A monochrome, usually yellow on black, sort of do the Adams Family stuff and the startup yeah. and the fun house and all the other things that you sort of see in the 90s where yeah. you bought Dot Matrix. Those sort of displays were prominent in the 90s and then mm. we're up to where we are now where everything's looking flat screen TVs, all the legs are multicolored. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, like Jersey Jack games, they really go bonkers for us, don't they? It's cool, it looks good. Yeah, if you never played a pinball table and you well, played one from 
each generation, you'd be amazed at the developments that they made between them. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. I, I know we brought it up a couple of times now, the Wizard of Oz one, but that's got fucking, mm. like, scenes from the actual film in it. Yeah, no, that's right. That's a Jersey Jack game, isn't it? There's a lot of visual stuff going on there, mm. but to go back and sort of wrap this up, I think there's tables I like, but for every table I like, someone's going to dislike it. It's a personal yeah, preference definitely. thing. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's some tables that, like when we did in the past, like when we did the, like, the, the score chasing things on the forum. See, I really like Wild West Rampage, which I know that you particularly hated at the time when we did the score, but I think that's a great table. I really, really love that table, and that's the one I go back to the most. Yeah, I don't hate it. It just hates me. It's just one of those tables <laughs> right, where yeah, I just can't yeah. get anything to stick. I've had credits on that that have lasted 30 minutes, and then I, I think, mm. oh my god, my score's going to be incredible. But I, and then I see my score, and it's like, what the fuck? It's actually worse than once I've got played for five minutes. So yeah, I don't think yeah. it's a case of me hitting the table. It's a case of me just like being rubbish at it. Which yeah, not I gelling think, with it, I suppose. Yeah, a lot of people just go, yeah, I don't like this game because I'm shit. I mean, that's a fine fucking attitude to take if you're Yeah, well, yeah, you know, I suppose that's, that's right. If, if something's just kicking your ass for like mm. hours on end, then you, you're going to get to people like, nah, fuck it, I'm not doing it anymore. A friend of mine loves the Bob Effect table. We oh, both hate it. No, yeah, I did. I, I still hate that table. It's awful. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like the Fantastic Four table. I think that table fucking sucked. Uh, see, I've never played that one. I fucking hate it. I don't know anyone that likes it. I never got on very well with the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a table that I really want to like. It's a cool looking table and there's nothing particularly unfair about it. It's got quite a nice mechanic where you can play as the different characters from the films. It's pretty sort of well laid out and it's got a lot of nice stuff going on it, but I just cannot get on with that table. And I guess maybe it's similar for you with uh, Wild West in that I know what I need to do and I know how to do it, but God, I can't do it. I just can't mm. make it stick. Yeah, and I've sort of put quite a lot of time into that. And I've got a reasonable score. Like I got like the sort of 70 odd millions, I think, when we were doing it for the challenges. It was like through attrition, though, just keep plugging away at it. Like it got to the mm. point where it wasn't fun, but I was score chasing on it. And yeah, just persistence. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, definitely so. Yeah, really in a good score, but not in a fun way though. <laughs> yeah, there were times where I would be doing the score chasing, and it's like I'm really not having fun here. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. Just, I'm just gonna keep fucking hitting my head against the wall until something <laughs> sticks, and usually yeah. I, I could get something to stick. I think when that worked the best was one of my favourite times. Of that was when we were doing the Walking Dead, where it went back and forth for maybe two weeks, maybe, where like one of us would chip ahead of it, and then the other one would chip ahead, and then like and we were getting some pretty pretty decent scores on that as well that's the table I've come closest to finishing the like getting into the um, the wizard mode on it things like that I could get to the start of the wizard mode and then sort mm. of oh in the wizard mode just completely lose my fucking marbles yeah <laughs> sort of panic and they go ah. mm. do you want to explain what wizard mode is because we've mentioned wizard mode a couple of times nobody else probably knows what that means wizard mode stems from the who's pinball wizard song so what happened is a lot of older tables would have a really really rudimentary goal so it'd be knock down the drop targets to get the gold or whatever in something like Eldorado yeah. and as time progressed the objectives of a table got more and more complex you'd have like maybe five missions to do. If you finish five missions, it'd fill the lights up. Using Adam's family as a, a reference point, the mm. windows on the house would light up. And once you got all the windows on the house lit up, it'd go into wizard mode, which is just a really, really high scoring free for all. Everything scores fucking crazy. And then the game mm. sort of resets. Although there is some games that have gone one step further and they have super wizard modes. So, <laughs> yeah. I remember being at, at Tilt for one of the Pinball League things and seeing somebody get onto the wizard mode in real life. First time me seeing it in Adam's family and I was like, this guy is amazing, this guy's a god to me, because this is fantastic. Because he knew the game so well and I think he managed to get wizard mode through wizard mode three times I think on one play. Wow, yeah that's incredible. Yeah, like properly amazing and he was on it for easily cleared an hour on it. But phenomenal just to watch somebody who's so good at it and just like, yeah, I know what I need to do exactly these points. As much as I've played pinball, there's very few tables I've actually seen wizard modes on. These tables that I finish and there's tables that I can get up to the wizard mode and then just completely fucking fail. Because yeah. it's such an assault on the senses that you just bottle it. It's really, really hard to explain because you work so hard for it. But, yeah, no, definitely. That's a good analogy, though, because it is just like a panic thing, isn't it? Where yeah, yeah, it's, it's just a like, oh my god, it's so, happening, you're it's so happening. happy that you've done it. You're like, oh, this is brilliant, and then you're like, oh, 
oh shit, there's too much going on. But I think also that comes from getting there the first time as well, doesn't it, I think? Mm. That's another thing, like the mission, sometimes it's not very clear what you have to do the very, very first time you're playing a machine. Going to the portal one that we were talking about before, mm -hmm. learning the skill shots from Joe the Plunge, from plunging oh, the ball in. Yeah, that's pretty tough one, isn't it? And then there's a super skill shot on top of that, where you turn mm. back, it sort of comes through the portal at the top of the table, doesn't it? And you can hit it with the upper flipper. Yeah, the fl yeah. middle flipper, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. A lot to do with pinball is familiarising yourself with what's going to happen. Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot of stuff that's unexpected, say, when the ball gets locked somewhere, mm -hmm. and it might lock at the upper table, and then all of a sudden you've got a fucking ball flying at you from the left-hand side of yeah. the slingshot, and it sort of panics you, and you can lose a lot of balls that way. It's just a case of learning how the table works, learning how the rules work, and, and what to expect when you do certain milestones. Or do certain activities. Through the years, and we've sort of both played quite a few physical and digital tables as well. So obviously, my first experience of pinball was digital and going into physical. I mean, I found it quite tricky going from playing just purely with a controller to trying to then map that across to a physical table. So, like, the first mm. physical table that I played properly on was Adam's Family. I've maybe put, I think, about 20 quid, I think, into that across maybe a couple of hours. You know, by the end of it, I was I was pretty good at it and I was getting similar scores to what I was getting on the um, Pinball Arcade version on the PlayStation. Mm -hmm. So I'd sort of got into the swing of it and things. I found it quite tricky going from digital physics, I think, mainly, to actual real-life physics and the weight as well. Like, I wasn't necessarily... I don't think I was very prepared for the... Um, the weight of the ball yeah and there's stuff like peripheral vision as well that's sort of like you've got a lot more senses if you're studying a pulp somewhere there's a mm. lot of stuff that can distract you whereas you don't really yeah, have that when yeah, you're yeah. playing on the screen the size of the tables as well like i was <laughs> when you're playing it i was quite taken not taken aback but i was quite surprised by actually how big a table is or feels like it is mm. when you're stood in front of it for the first time and trying to get your view right as well because in a game they've sort of tailored the camera to a perfect view for however you want to view it so you've got various options when you're standing there, actually, you've got to try and figure out, okay, where do I want to, where do I want to see this through? Like, like fatigue, like physical fatigue, get from standing and stuff like that as well. And yeah, pinball rash as well from leaning on table. Like <laughs> sort of get, yeah, that's right. Know, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you get like a the the bar that stops you from taking the glass out. Yeah, yeah. It wears into your hands, which you don't really feel it until you step away from the machine, and it's like, oh my fucking god, <laughs> yeah, this is terrible. Right, yeah, yeah. I think another definition that you missed on is how physical pinball in reality is. Those tables, yeah. you sort of nudge your table about with the left stick or your with your keyboard, and it don't feel like oh, you try doing no. that to a real table, you are you will be fucked like. Those tables yeah. are heavy. In real life, do you do it nudging or not? I don't. I don't. I always feel a bit too self-conscious of it to give it a good whack. I do. I think it's part and parcel of playing a table. Yeah. Yeah. This is the thing. Like a lot of people just think, well, I'm playing pinball. I launch it. I either pull the plunger or shoot the gun if it's like Indiana Jones or whatever you're playing. It's got your fancy fucking plunger, like a gimmicky plunger. Yeah. Yeah. I like a gimmicky plunger. Yeah. It's just two buttons. Your left flipper yeah. and your right flipper, but. You can actually manipulate the table. You can stop mm. the ball from going out of the outlet. You can, if you're strong enough, you can death save. Yeah. Which is, yeah, see, I've, never I've only ever seen a couple of people ever do that. And like, how they yeah. didn't tilt the machine, I don't know. But I've witnessed people do it. I've never managed to do it myself. But mm. doing stuff like slap shots and just nudges to, you know, like transfers and post transfers and stuff. All this stuff is, it's quite deep without people realising it. It's just like, mm, oh yeah, just so, yeah. you're smacking a silver ball around the table. It's it's not like that. There's there's a lot more skill to it than you actually first realise. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, that's definitely like on physical tables when you try and do things like sort of basic sort of ball juggling and things like that, where you're just sort of knocking something up to try and transfer mm. it over and things. Just those kind of skills that you maybe take a bit more for granted once you start playing pinball on digital tables fairly regularly to then try and then map that across to a real life table. Quite a tricky thing really, I think, to get your head around. And I think as well, when you see people do stuff, you realise that you can actually do that as well. Or yeah. you realise how skillful they actually are in being able to do that. Like, I were watching a guy, and I can't remember what this technique is called. Basically, what they're doing is, you wait until the ball is just about to drain, and you flip it, mm. and it goes up the opposite inlane. So you can get rollovers from the opposite inlane. And you were doing it constantly. Right. To be able to watch people consistently do stuff like that just blows my mind. I know when Regiment were asking about Sorcerer's Lair, I uploaded the thing and I'm like, look, I'm going to shoot every ramp three times and then I'm going to go to the next ramp, shoot it three times. It's mm. not luck 
Luck can get you there, but skill is going to get you the rest of the way. And this is yeah. how you do it. And you develop this by just playing and playing and playing and, and getting a feel for how things work. No, definitely, I think that's right. I think the skills from playing physical, like real life pinball, it certainly made me a better player on digital tables as well. Oh, I think it works both ways, to be fair, actually. Yeah, I think it works both ways. No, I think definitely playing on physical tables gives you maybe a better understanding of how the tables work. Well, there's a haptic feedback there. You can actually feel the table kicking and... Yes, that's right. Yeah, definitely so. Another thing that we mentioned is view. On physical tables, you can sort of peer around stuff and look over stuff. There yeah, is true, yeah. actually on digital tables, on digital cabinets, people have started to use Connect. Do you know that fucking Microsoft <laughs> relic that had yeah. practically no use? People have started using that to simulate being able to look around the table from jobbing stud. So I think it's probably fair to say the easiest way to play pinball regularly is obviously through digital options. And so you've got the main options, you've got Pinball FX, and then obviously you've got Pinball Arcade as well, which sort of exists now, but also sort of licensing pulled from the Williams table, so they've lost a lot of content, potentially. Yeah, Williams Bally. Yeah, Williams Bally. They're the main go-to sort of digital resources for playing it. There's another one on PC as well. That, um, uh, there's a lot of them on PC. technical ones. But the, the biggest one is Zakaria, which is an Italian firm, which made mm. a lot of Gottlieb like tables yeah the electromechanical ones they did foray into the 80s with their stuff but you're not missing anything <laughs> let's no. put it that way they're not the best <laughs> of the best that's for like super enthusiasts only interestingly yeah. though there's a lot of stuff in those tables though like wear so you can see like the paint wearing out on uh, more travel okay. paths and stuff and yeah it's, it's pretty interesting that they've gone into that much detail that's cool I'd have to check that out actually I've not actually looked that before if you were sticking to like the standard ones then what was what's your go-to definitely FX I think we with the pinball arcade, you've just had the licensing gutting, which has happened. Mm. But it's not as nice to play overall, even though it's real tables and that familiarity might be a draw to some people. I much prefer the way that FX does things. It's much nicer yeah. to look at. The way that the tournaments and stuff work are seamless. You can go across platforms with them. It's a more polished experience, I think, isn't it? It is a more polished experience. And it does stuff that pinball tables in reality can't do. Yeah. Like Spider-Man slinging his webs about. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things on, on the effects games that I think they're more appealing, they're more visually appealing as well. Yeah. They feel nicer to play because they're meant to be played. Going back to the thing that we said about um, being coin guzzlers. Yeah, just want to take your money, yeah. A lot of tables are designed to punish you, whereas the FX tables don't feel that. If you play something no. like Mars or Plants vs. Zombies, you can be playing for an hour. Those games are very, very lenient in letting you drain the ball. Yeah, and also quite generous with sort of replay balls and things as well, I find in FX. Yeah, there's things like, there's a lot more ball saver stuff going on. Yeah. If you do get an unlucky bounce, which luck does play a small amount into it, playing pinball is like trying to control chaos. It's like herding cats. <laughs> Yeah, there's a point where you get everything under control and you keep it under control for as long as you can. But it's only to bounce out of the mushrooms wrong or over the slingshots and you can find yourself in problems there. Yeah. It's your impetus to try and avoid that by nudging the game or just trying to avoid it full stop. Mm. If you know that hitting a ramp is going to fail and it's going to spill back and cause you issues, you don't hit the ramp. You need to do what you're going to do. Yeah, I think definitely FX makes that a bit easier. What I like about pinball arcade is the chance to play real life tables and to be fair to them they are pretty good recreations of real life tables as well so like i know where i've practiced on when i was playing in the uh, in the league i'd always get as many of the tables as i could on arcade to practice them and then i could go into even if the physics don't quite map across right from digital to real life at least i know a game plan for the tables mm. and things like that so i think that's definitely the pull of pinball arcade is a chance to play on those tables that would cost you or might be hard to find or cost you a lot of money to keep replaying around again and i think for the most part they are quite good recreations but i don't i'm not a massive fan of arcade as a game to play like it's definitely not my go-to one in the sense mm. that a lot of the time i don't find it much fun to play mm. so 
for me, the pinball arcade, I see it as something akin to emulation. So yeah. you look at a lot of tables from the 60s and 70s that were just deemed worthless, even though they won't. They're just fucking smashed up. Or yeah. I mean, there the were a big thing with banning pinball as well, which yeah. resulted in a lot of tables getting fucked up. And it's same with arcade machines as well. There's a lot of arcade machines that just, they got worn down, they got played into the ground. They were no longer profitable, so they just fucking got thrown to one side and smashed up instead yeah. of restored. And those games are gone. And for Pinball Arcade to recreate those tables and allow people to play the games that, where in some instances there were like 10 tables made in the world. There weren't a lot of tables made. Mm. To allow people to experience those tables in somewhat a realistic fashion is interesting to me as a, as a, a museum exhibit sort of style Yeah, definitely. Thing. It's preservation, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you've got to remember it's before video games really, really took off, Pinball was the thing. Yeah. I mean, we had one armband as well but everything was electromechanical video games just didn't exist so arcades were based around these bagatelle style machines if you go to the coast you'll find these like victorian arcades where you pop a fucking ball bearing and it sort of just whirls around yep. a, a thing and it's like a pachinko machine yeah they were like old pub games yeah yeah that's exactly it and to preserve that culture and that sort of way of living and that way of entertainment i think it's admirable on farsight's behalf to want to do that because yeah. pinball is it's a niche thing and not a lot of people play it that's a problem that pinball has it doesn't have the pull that other things have it doesn't have the pull of back when it died in the 90s sitting in a Sega Rally cab or a Manx TT cab or playing Die Hard Arcade or yeah. all the other fucking things that came out it were killed because people weren't interested in it it just couldn't yeah. sustain itself and for people to go back and say hey we need to preserve these things there were only a thousand of them made and the wear out they are machines at the end of the day they're, they're not gonna last forever the rot and battery acid leaks into the circuit boards and stuff and yeah, they get yeah. damaged there's a lot of maintenance there's a lot of corrosion and things as well isn't it yeah yeah they just don't last forever so for people to recreate them and allow them to be played by people that like, I've never ever played Central Park mm. I love that table but chances of me playing one of those games is next to zero because well one they're collector's items now because they're so fucking rare mm. and people aren't gonna go hey do you want to go because like I said they're the cost of fortune. Yeah. It's like playing with an antique. Yeah, so that's what the, the, the antiques, the museum pieces, aren't they? Exactly. It's like you look at the rarer games that came out on SNES or whatever. This is like the equivalent. It's yeah. just a big boxy version with more mechanical moving parts. It needs to be preserved just for the sake of, hey, this is what this corner of the world was like in entertainment. Yeah, definitely so. I think with Arcade, the biggest disappointment is that it's recently been gutted of the Williams Ballet Tables. I'm intrigued where they're going to go with that in terms of obviously I don't think Farsight can go anywhere with it but where Williams Bally by pulling the, the licensing from Farsight or maybe just laps I suppose maybe they haven't, they've chosen not to renew it, I guess where if you've got a company that's done all that legwork in terms of recreating your tables and seemingly successfully so why you would choose to it's a bit like cutting your nose to spot your face isn't it it feels like to mm. me anyway I think maybe they're looking at making their own or tending it out to someone else I think so too. As a player, it's frustrating, especially now I think the window's gone to buy those tables before they've been pulled as well, hasn't it? I think. It has, yeah. So that sort of opportunity is gone effectively now. And there's not, when you take all those tables out from arcade, you're not left with a, a massive amount of stuff, really. A lot of big games are gone as well from there. Yeah, Williams Valley were the face of. 80s and 90s mm. pinball. Before that, it was Gottlieb. The Gottlieb tables are still there. Yeah, they're still there, but the appeal of those tables, the older style tables that mm. are very basic and very ruthless on your skills. Uh, yeah. If you're getting into pinball, like that's the sadomasochist side of it. Yeah, the hardest barrier you could choose to. Don't learn to play on those tables. There's tables there that will test your skill. The Big Shot and Central Park are probably the best tables for learning how to nudge and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I'd say nudging is as tantamount to playing that game as actual using the flippers. But it's too much of a cliff face to climb. You're best off yeah. learning elsewhere on somewhere that's going to be more... Forgiving. It's, yeah, it's more practical for you to... It's, yeah. it, don't mind if you fuck up a few times. It's Yeah, it's, it's more forgiving. It's more guiding. It, it wants you to play instead of wanting you to fail. I, mean, I suppose Farsight and Arcade, they have still got the Stern license as well. So they've obviously got the separate Stern game. So they've still got a fair bit of content, I guess, coming from there. But it, it certainly narrows the scope quite drastically. Mm. 
So we've had like a few people in the forum that have dipped their toe in playing pinball. And some people have stuck out it maybe more than others perhaps. But if you were going to say to anybody who was starting it tomorrow, where should they start and what should they do? I think going off the back of the people playing Yoko's Island Express, mm. I'd say download FX3, the one that has the Sorceress Layers table in it. Yeah. And just play that. Which is a good table as well, to be fair. It's a really, really good table. And yeah, really I'll good. tell you why it's a good table. It's got a lot of shots in it that are easily doable from either flipper. So... I mean, you can sort of spam and you know, do your fucking your mad wild flipper bullshit that we talked about earlier. Yeah. But yeah. that's not going to get you anywhere. You want to specifically only press one flipper at a time and pick your shots. When you're playing snooker or pool, you don't go, I'm just going to hit that red ball and oh, it goes in. You line it up. Yeah, you take your time and you line it up. And that's what you need to do. I mean, there's a bit more pressure in pinball because shit's fucking flying all over the place. And, mm, and yeah. sometimes it's hard to keep track of it. But yeah, that's what I'd say. Pick that up and try and get good at that one table before dropping any more money. Yeah. If you can get to a point where you feel comfortable, games are lasting over five or ten minutes, or you're getting several missions. Or you're enjoying it. Yeah, and you're enjoying it. Yeah, that's that's another fact. If you're not enjoying it, like, <laughs> yeah, you're wasting your fucking time. But yeah, just don't get disheartened if you lose. Because yeah. honestly, even I, I'm sure you're exactly the same as me. Sometimes my free balls go pick, pop, pop, done. And oh, it's like, fuck. God, yeah, all the time. Well, what normally happens to me is, I think on some of my highest scores that I've got on various games, I've drained my first two balls straight away within the first maybe minute of playing. And then I've, I've, left, <laughs> I've left myself with one ball left to work everything with. And I mm. think some of my highest scores have done off the back of essentially one balling it on a third ball. Yeah, for me, it tends to be the other way around like my first ball will be fucking amazing it's like oh my god I'm gonna yeah, have to yeah, that happens well, yeah. <laughs> two and three just fucking piss away and it's like oh yeah. my god I could have done so much better yeah because you'll get to the point where you're like 80 million on one ball and you think oh I'm smashing this this is gonna be a 200 million but you get to you've, you've game over 86 million because mm. the other two have just drained straight away yeah you spend ages getting your multiplier up and then just lose all three fucking balls one <laughs> after another and it's like oh fucking hell yeah yeah that's the thing just don't be disheartened I know it's frustrating you're gonna lose balls it's going to feel like the table's fault at times it's gonna send shit straight down the middle but watch your replays and look what you've done if you can replay record your last three minutes and, and, and watch what you're doing and go ah okay i know and pay attention to what it's saying to you as well because that table is very good at telling you explicitly where you need to go yes it... everything's well signposted it's not mm. opaque it's like it's very this is what you need to do do it now and it sort of gives you a timer and stuff like that like it's not it's and it's very fair on the times as well like they're very fucking lenient there's a lot of machines where it'll say oh you need to take this ramp and by the time you've got the ball under control <laughs> the fucking times run out yeah you yeah. get like one chance Empire Strikes Back's a bit notorious for that you're not going to get everything every single time it's only perseverance that's going to make you get better and have an idea of what's going on yeah my advice would echo that really is, is give it a go if you can find maybe Maybe a, a theme table that matches something that you're reasonably interested in. Find a table that resonates with you. Yeah, if you find a table that sort of uh, clicks with your interest. And especially, I mean, in FX now, they've really hugely branched out in the different kind of IPs that they've got in there now. The, like, the Fox tables, so you've got, like, sort of American Dad and Bob's Burgers and things in there as well. Bob's Burgers is such a good table as well. That is a good, that's a hard table though, isn't it? I find that really hard, Bob's Burgers. No, not Bob's Burgers, Archer. Yeah, Archer's difficult. That is a hard table. That's though. another thing as well. If you giving it a go don't pay attention to the score because mm, yeah it wildly fluctuates between tables so some tables you'll be fucking scoring million upon million and other tables you might score thousands and that's mm -hmm. fine because the yardstick is different for each table yeah there's a table a real life table that i think it's based on basketball and a good scoring game is a couple hundred points yeah it doesn't give the pay big out scores. on yeah mm. don't pay out you'll get a rollover and get ten thousand points for it so yeah it's it's all relative the scores i think as a modern pinball player that you are sort of conditioned to expect like multiples will give you a million every time you hit mm. something and things like that it's just because that's what you come to expect isn't it so i still find that a bit jarring it's an escalation of things i don't yeah. i don't mind it some tables are going to pay out low some tables are going to pay out high yeah, everything's true. different as well when you're doing shots you can do shots with the opposite flipper so if you're going across the table say like you're using the left flipper to hit a right ramp you can hit mm. the right ramp with the right flipper 
It's called a backhand. Oh, yeah. Like, if you pull it fairly high up on the flipper. Yeah, it's, it's all about working angles and stuff. It's mm. just a case of experimenting. Even if you've to put the table in practice mode, where you get unlimited balls, just do that and see what you can get away with. Nudge the table and see what you can get away with. See how yeah. far you can push it before it starts kicking back at you. Because every table is different. And learning those parameters is what's going to get you high scores or get you further into the games each time yeah definitely so i mean what i tend to do is maybe less so now because i've got a better idea what i'm doing but when i was first starting out because it can be just for the nature of these kind of games they can be quite frantic especially at that start when you've sort of launched the ball and got that kind of sort of slightly randomized element where everything's bouncing around the first thing i always do is then just get it back and hold it just catch it in the flipper and hold it and have a look yeah, at the table slow the pace down make the table run at your pace not the table exactly pace. yeah and especially if you're not on any particular runs or anything where you've not got a time of this ticking down you can just sit there and just hold the ball for a minute and so the first thing I would do, always do to learn how a table works is hold the ball find a ramp or a, a shot that I should be able to make from that flipper and sit there and keep repeating that shot until I've worked out mm. where the, the sweet spot is for it and then generally speaking once you've got a couple of those down you then know where you need to be hitting things on the flipper and what angles to get different things so just keep repeating those shots bring it back around catch it again line it up try and make the shot again it's worth noting when you're cradling a ball like that mm -hmm. if you hold a flipper in for a long time for instance you have a, a ball cradled mm. you can press the other flipper and on the dot matrix screen oh you can cycle through can't you you can cycle through and it'll tell you where you are in that particular game so how many letters you've got towards an objective how many yeah, more drop yeah. targets you need to do stuff like that i mean if you watch proper pinball players playing it's not hectic it's not a frantic thing certainly not all the time anyway because you'd be exhausted so it is just taking that step back from it and just relaxing looking at it approaching it objectively almost in terms of mm, yeah, thinking, yeah. right I'm just going to focus on for this game I'm going to use these three balls and focus on that particular part of the table and I'm going to work out how that this is what I do anyway work out how that particular bit works or I'll spend half an hour figuring out how the skill shot works and how the super skill shot works on each table and trying to get that bit down of it and then sort of building those elements together then at some point you've got a run where you're going okay I can do that here now go up to there move on to that bit open up that bit bring it around again so you, you, you're piecing it all together until you can then hit that run of a table it's very rare that I would load up a table for the first time and just click with it straight away and get anything resembling a high score straight away I might fluke a reasonable score perhaps it's not until you sit there and you do start to examine it and to the point where I've actually got on my phone there's somebody on the Zen forums who always do like a table breakdown sure, of how right, table works. To the chin. yeah I've read the ones for tables I've not even played before just because I quite like reading how the tables interesting, work. yeah yeah exactly what I tend to do is I, I work out how the tables work. I go through all the missions that I can start and I rank them in difficulty. Yeah. So sometimes when I'm doing score challenges with you guys or the people on Twitter or whatever, I'll do a run where I'll go from the easiest and I'll pick the next easiest and so on and so forth until I hit a plateau. Mm. And once I've got a score down that I'm satisfied with, I'll work the other way around. I'll do the harder missions first and then the next hardest, then the next hardest and until I've got down to the easiest ones. And that's usually where my biggest scores come from. Yeah. That's just my method. I know a lot of people do it randomly. They're like a leaf on the wind. They fucking do what they want to do. But each person has their own method of working their way through a table. YouTube as well is great. I quite often do that where if I'm stuck on a table or if I'm just bored at lunchtime, I'll sit and watch somebody play. And you learn so much from that just watching other people do it as well. Yeah, speaking of which, pinball is a great game to play if you've only got 30 minutes to play. You can get a couple of credits in there. It don't have to be fucking all-encompassing hours and hours and hours. You can just spend 10 minutes like a bus journey. If you've got it on your phone, that's yep. fine. Do it on your phone. You can fit it into your life more than a lot of other games can be fit into your life. Yeah, definitely so. Because of its immediacy, it's easy to pick up but add to master which yep. is like a really really cliche thing to say but it is exactly that yeah it is yeah, it really is yeah Right, so we've talked about, obviously, we've got like the main digital pinball options are now FX and Arcade, the current we've talked ones. about. But, I mean, they're the current ones, but, I mean, they've been making digital pinball tables for as long as there's been computers, pretty much. What are some of the other examples of video game pinball that you've played in the past? 
I started with Macadam Bumper, which were a Commodore 64 game. I'm pretty sure it were on everything. It were actually one of the first games I owned on 5-inch floppy. Well, okay, yeah. Yeah, I, it's not really much to say about Macadam Bumper. It's kind of shit for what pinball <laughs> is. But I think a lot of games then were kind of bad. I think it's one of those things where they were looking to arcades and think, well, this is a this is something that's popular, so we need to try and replicate mm. it. And with the limits of that technology, it's hard to replicate things like ball physics and uh, anything that's particularly fast-paced. So yeah, definitely they were limited by the technology I think back then until it got a bit more bit more oomph. Mm. Uh, next up were Pinball Dreams. Ignition, Steel Wheel, Beatbox, Nightmare. Yeah, so this is kind of, I suppose, maybe a lot of people's first, between Dreams and Fantasies probably, is probably a lot of people's mm. first introduction to digital pinball. I know that I never played a lot of Dreams, but I can quite vividly remember tables from Dreams and from Fantasies, just from seeing them on telly shows and things like that, like mm. maybe Games Master and things had them on, perhaps? I remember them being in magazines at the time, in reviews, and doing really, really yeah. well. The one yeah. that I had, the first one was Fantasies. Partyland. Yeah, Partyland was the one that I remember most as well, I think. Yeah, uh, Pinball Fantasies were Speed Devils, Billion Dollar Game Show, Partyland and Stones and Bones. Partyland were the one that I played the most. I've got to say Fantasies is probably the one that holds up more in my yeah. memory. To be honest, the only one that I don't really like out of those is Speed Devils. I like Billion Dollar Game Show because it's a weird topic for a pinball table. Mm. It sort of makes sense because of, you know, like the roulette wheels and stuff are yeah. easily transferable, but we don't really see that much of that ilk. Yeah. Stuff like like horror themed tables and roller coaster themed tables are much more popular because I mean it sort of makes sense you're going on rides and stuff or exploring a mansion that's haunted yeah, yeah. makes more sense whereas yeah there's like building dollar game show is, is kind of unique in, in that respect that it's doing its own thing I think for me the one that I remember most clearly from there is definitely Partyland and uh, playing it on a friend's Amiga mm. and that was a really strikingly visually impressive game I think uh, for the time I think I was probably rubbish at it I think I definitely played it for a couple of times when I borrowed their Amiga for a while and could never really sort of gain any sort of traction with it but I remember thinking oh this looks cool anyway and it sounds great hit the ducks mm -hmm. yeah that's right do you remember those games had a lot of sound effects and stuff that were specifically for whatever you hit mm. it's a big step up when you, you look at Macadam Bumper which was basically it's <laughs> just all fucking like digital chirps and stuff and then you actually yeah. have full tables with objectives which were on par with the objectives that uh, were on tables at the time real physical yeah. tables yeah they were pretty good uh, Pinball Dreams 2 were the next one up that came out never actually played this and it wasn't until Duck told me about it I was like oh, oh okay and uh, yeah, I had a look at it. The tables were Neptune, Safari, Revenge of the Robot Warrior, and Stalltern. Uh, Stalltern is another interesting one. That's about aerobatics Airplanes. in planes, yeah. which is uh, a novel concept. I think I've got those on my Raspberry Pi, I think, in Dreams 2. You can get them on good old games for like pennies as well. Like, yeah. A lot. yeah. So we've also got things like Pinball Illusions. Are these are for all the same developer, by any chance, or are they different developers? Uh, Macadam Bumper, I don't think, but yeah, Dreams were dice. It's dice who went on to become the battlefield people. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, you do now. I do now, yeah. But yeah, Pinball Illusions. I didn't play this one. No. Tables include Law Justice, Bird Watch, Extreme Sports. Also released on PlayStation 1 and Saturn, I think, as True Pinball, which I might have played on a demo disc. Do you remember you used to get demo discs on the PlayStation uh, magazine? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, that's the thing. I can't remember them. I can't remember them at all. No. I'll no, tell you what I do remember, no, though. Nice. Slam Tilt. I played Slam Tilt a lot. What was Slam Tilt on, then? Uh, Slam Tilt, well, it was an Amiga game. I think it, it got put onto other platforms as well, eventually. PC, maybe. Dial's tables were fucking extraordinary. I think that was the last game, along with Worms, that I spent on the Amiga. It was... Oh, God, it was so fucking good. <laughs> I'll check it out. It were a good game. I think even now, like if they just updated those tables into 3D, they'd still stand up. Or maybe that's just me looking through real tinted specs. But yeah, I love Slam Tilt. We have also forgot to add to this this list the pinball game that came with Windows XP as well. I've never actually played it. It's okay. I've played it a couple of times. But I bet a lot of people, <laughs> where you've just got a computer with like nothing on it apart from you get Solitaire and a couple of bits and bobs. Mm. So I bet quite a lot of people probably have spent, it's probably a lot of people's first and only pinball game that probably played it, I imagine. But that's quite fully featured. It's got like a wizard mode and things to it as well. I'm struggling to remember the name of it off the top of my head. But it was space themed, wasn't it? 
Yeah, Space Cadet on uh, that came through Windows XP. That's it, yeah, Space Cadet. Yeah, it was pretty good, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I've seen plenty of memes based around it. There was that um, Psycho Pinball as well, which 3-4 talks about, which I've never played. Yeah. So I've heard of that, but never played it. So. The game that's probably my most played on the original PlayStation Portable, Gottlieb Collection. Yes. God, so many hours spent playing Black Hole <laughs> and Victory. Those were the days. PlayStation Portable and PlayStation Vita is a great device playing pinball. Just I don't know. It, it seems to, to me anyway. It seems to, it seems to click quite well on there. Better than DS or Sony on like a. Because I've tried a few times on mobile phone and uh, like an iPhone, and can never. You need at least some kind of physical button, I think, to make it work. But Vita and PSP is a pretty good, a pretty good method of uh, playing them, I think. I also played quite a lot of Pokemon Pinball on the Game Boy Advance as well. What it Game Boy Advance or what it Game Boy Color? I seem to remember Pokemon Pinball coming with like a Rumble Pack. Do you remember? Yeah. I mean, I've only played emulated. I'll be honest. Oh right, okay. Yeah, I remember it being flip screen. So it is Game Boy Color. Yeah, you're right. It was Game Boy Color. Right, okay. Yeah. Got me. No, I'm sure there's a. No, I yeah, played Game Boy Ruby, Ruby Sapphire. Yeah, there is another one further down the yeah. line, but the original one was it sort of flipped over because it couldn't display the whole table in one go. So uh, like a half and half. Yeah. Okay, I've seen that one. I've not played that one. The mm. one that I put yeah, quite I a bit of time one. into was. Ruby Sapphire on the Game Boy Advance. Which I've also played, yeah. You get two tables. They're both pretty good tables, and they've got plenty of stuff to do. I mean, obviously the big draw of it is, with any Pokemon game, it's um, capturing all the Pokemons. The method for achieving that is quite relatively straightforward to do. I suppose the thing is, it's not massively challenging, particularly, but there's quite a, a large amount of content, even if it's quite similar to, mm. to access it. I'm surprised that then haven't teamed up with Nintendo to do Pokemon. <sighs> yeah. That'd make sense, wouldn't it? I could see that being a thing yeah or Nintendo themed pinball anyway not so Pokemon but mm. like a Smash Brothers but pinball tables uh, speaking of which Metroid Prime pinball so again I mean I played this on the DS before I was particularly massively into pinball and I keep meaning to revisit it because it was a really really good game it was so it played like a Metroid game where you had to unlock powers for Samus but she's obviously in sphere mode because it's pinball and obviously space from Metroid Prime it uses the DS screen well in terms of moving between the screens was probably the, one of the most interesting things about it. And also, I think it was the game that came with the Rumble Pack, kind of came bundled with it. But pretty decent go at making a Metroid-themed pinball game. I certainly spent a bit of time with it. Now I know how to play pinball. I think it would be much more rewarding as well. Mm. Moving back a little bit to Extreme Pinball. Mm. This was the 90s, I think it came out. That had a table on it. That I'm surprised they got away with it when it came out. If they released this now, people would go fucking apeshit. Yeah. It's basically, you play as Riot Police, and you go around like beating gangs up and just stopping crimes. But the way it's presented is... It, this came like years after the beating of Rodney King. Like, I have just like literally no idea who thought this was a good idea. Yeah. And in today's climate, with however he handed United States uh, with the police forces, and oh man, it's. It's just a clusterfuck. Like, I just don't it know is. why they did it. Maybe by Digital Extremes, who do like, the Warframe stuff now. Are they American company? Canadian. The Canadian. Okay. Is it Canadians going, hey, America, what are you doing? Or that kind of thing. Is there any kind of, is there any satire Honestly, or irony yeah. to it? Or oh, is it fucking just... hell. It just, yeah, that, to be honest, Extreme Pinball, what fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> the load times on it were just ridiculous. And when I say ridiculous, I mean ridiculous. Minutes. You're looking at Commodore 64 loading times oh, for a god. pinball game. Oh god, it was fucking shit. It was so bad. I actually bought this game. I saw it on PSN. And at the time, I had a PlayStation 3 and a PSP. And I thought, oh, pinball. I'll get that. Mm. And then I bought it and fucking instantly regretted it. <laughs> it's just it's so fucking bad. It put the scoreboard at the bottom as well and covered up the fucking flippers for half the time. Oh, so it's like, no. what the fuck are you doing, Digital Extremes? <laughs> at least you got your fucking act together eventually. <laughs> Not with this fucking garbage. Fucking sucked a big fat dick, did that game. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fucking bad. That kind of makes me want to play it though a little bit. Well, another game that I do want to play is Sonic Spinball Party, which I didn't know was a thing. Like, cause I know about Sonic Spinball, which obviously came out on the Mega Drive, but I never knew they'd done another Sonic-themed pinball game that was on the Game Boy Advance. Well, if you want to tell people about it, but I, I, this sounds awesome. Like, I, I genuinely, <laughs> genuinely really want to play this. It's probably one of my favourite Sonic games. Which yeah. is not saying much because I'm not a massive Sonic fan. No, no. Yeah, basically, they do this thing where it's got this half-assed attempt at the storyline in it. Don't play it 
for that. You're not interested in that. It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> but it does the whole thing where, you know how you progress through a Sonic game and you go through like Green Hill Zone and then Chemical yeah, Zone yeah, and, yeah. and what have you? It does that in-game with the same table. So although the table layout doesn't change, mm. the way that it looks and the music changes, so yeah, oh, it's just it's so fucking good. And it has you playing as different characters as well. So you'll be playing as Sonic one moment and then you'll hit your milestone and it'll go to Casino Zone and you'll be playing as Knuckles. Right. And it's okay. just like, yeah, this is fucking wicked. This is really, really fucking good. That does sound great. It is. It's like, it's genuinely very good. It also had different tables on it. It had um, a Nights into Dreams table, which were really fucking good. Mm. I love Nights. So to see it get a bit of love, more cool. And um, there also a Samba de Remigo table. It was really, really simple, but it worked. If you like Sega stuff, that game had so much Sega packed into it. Yeah. It had like a Guitar Hero sort of Joe Simon Says aspect to it, mm, like yeah, Samba yeah. Domingo. And all the music was music from Sega games. So there were like Choo Choo Rockets that. Oh, that is really cool. There wasn't a lot to that table, but what were there were interesting for what it was. So, as I mentioned it in passing for Sonic Pinball Party, but also that's not Sonic's first foray into pinball because also there was Sonic Spinball that was released on the Mega Drive as a bit of a stopgap between Sonic 3 missing its release window. I never played this when it first came out, but played it about a week ago, in fact, as a bit of prep for this podcast. Fuck, that is a hard game, man. It is. I mean, I was playing it with save states, so I could just keep reloading. But if you're playing that in a pure, either on like, I know, Sonic Mega Collection or even on the original car, you are going to struggle to get any anywhere with that. But I quite liked it, though. I played it on the Nintendo GameCube yeah. Sonic Collection. It was the first time I ever played it, and I finished it. It took me about... <sighs> 70 and 80 minutes Jeez. from start to finish yeah yeah but if you count all the times that I've it's probably <laughs> this is going to set up but people that like Sega games are going to fucking crucify me for this but yeah it's probably the game that I spent the most time on out of that collection I mean Sonic games you sort of you finish them and it's like okay well that's done moving on to the next yeah, one but this yeah. one was so fucking difficult they were just like I'm never going to fucking beat this fucking thing it's difficult and also it's obtuse as well like it doesn't give you any kind of hints or assistance or any kind of indication of what you're supposed to be doing other than Sonic jumping out of the screen when he gets like an emerald or whatever yeah but for the first half an hour I was playing I did I got something that was saying collect three emeralds or is it collect three emeralds to move on or to get on the person uh, I can't remember it's Someone been a like long time since I played it so there's no hand holding in it which is depending on how you looked at it a good thing and bad thing but like to get one of the emeralds do you have to land in like a, the bucket where you would normally drain out the middle of a thing but then use the controller to move Sonic along in the bucket to get to the emerald you think fuck off Sega how are you going to figure that out without I mean I looked on YouTube and did it that way. But I don't know how you would even, without any kind of hint or anything towards what you're supposed to be doing, it's a hard game, man. You did well to complete that. Yeah, there were a lot of instances in that game where you sort of had to drain the ball and then go left or right and sort yeah, of fire yeah. yourself up the outlanes or whatever they were in that game. So they were fucking sprawling those tables. They're really big tables. Let's see them laid out in a one image. I mean, what is interesting about it is that you can manipulate Sonic as a character and not just manipulate him using the flippers. So you've got some. Yeah, you a, can do like a, a little bit of control over him with the d-pad and things as well but yeah it's a tough one It's uh, I think it's a hard one to like but I did quite like it though I think my takeaway from that is it was fucking really difficult and the music well really annoying <laughs> really, <laughs> the, really fucking annoying the music is uh, bad I, played, I think anyway I played most of it yeah with the sound off yeah I think you'd have to I think yeah the music in that game the original Sonic music were based on I don't know whether the song were called Dreams Come True or whether the band were called Dreams Come True but apparently they didn't have the licensing for it <laughs> they had to make that music specifically for the game Right. I mean, that game were made in two months. Sonic Spinball were made in two months. That is pretty From impressive. start to finish. Yeah. Sonic Spinball's music were created in like two hours or something like that. <laughs> and Which it's it fucking shows. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, yeah. It's, it's so fucking bad. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether it, if it at the time it had been bad, but listening back to it now, or listening back to it like in the mid-noughties or whenever I played it on GameCube, well, oh, it, was, it was painful. Well, I think at the time, I, mean, I can't imagine there was probably many people that played it that long to get... <laughs> annoyed with it anyway probably I suppose if you drop like 40 quid in it perhaps you got a person yeah and then fucking getting that and thinking this ain't Sonic this is a, yeah what the fuck is this <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's a bit of a fucking curveball that 
kind of dealing is, yeah. with that character. I'm surprised that there hasn't been any like proper Sonic tables though. Yeah. As a character, as a as a universe, it'd fit really well into a, a pinball table. It would, and there's always been pinball elements in Sonic anyway. So like you've got the casino mm. levels that have a lot of pinball elements to them and things. So there's always been a, the mechanics have always run through the games. So yeah, I'm surprised mm. they've not gone for a pure pinball table. A few people on the forum have played Yuku's Island Express as well. I think most people have played it mainly on the Switch, although it's on everything going. I mean, I've not played it, and I don't think you've played it either, have you? Not yet, no. I mean, from reading about it, it sounds like quite a nice, a nice little game. The pinball mechanics sound like they've been interestingly implemented into it. It looks cool. I like the fact it's from Team 17 as well, which they haven't done anything for, seems like, forever. So, I mean, what, what's your take on it? I think it's good that not only are they um, pushing pinball into a game and, and making it work, but making it mm. work with other genres as well. It's basically yeah. Metroidvania, isn't it? From yeah, what people have said. Yeah, yeah. So smashing those genres together is... It, well, if you like Metroid and you like pinball, it's a managed made in heaven, isn't it? If you yeah, like one but don't so, like yeah. the other, it's, if it's done well, then it's going to open your eyes to the other genre that you're not particularly fond of. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it. Yeah, me too. I think the most interesting thing is if people have the fill and then fuck off, or whether people are like, oh man, I, I really want to you know, get that sort of pinball-flavoured gameplay, or yeah. whether it'll... Whether it'll push people into going, actually, no, this pinball Metroidvania thing actually works. Let's run with it, Joe. Let's go and see how far we can push it. Yeah, that's right. Because, I mean, there has been a couple of examples of that already. But, yeah, I think, um, I don't know how successful it's been. I think it's done okay, I think. So, see where it goes, I guess. But, yeah, no, looking forward to playing it, though, definitely. Well, I think that pretty much brings us to the end of this Pinball Special MF Gamers podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it, even if you're not a pinball player. If off the back of this you do choose to play something, fantastic. If you don't, well, thank you for listening anyway. And we'll see you again soon for another podcast. I've been James. I've been Simon. See you soon. Bye-bye. Leaving so soon? This is your chance to get involved. This is open only to members registered before or on the day the podcast is published. Entrance after that will not be permitted. Neither Simon or I are allowed to enter this. The tournament will run up until the 8th of December. The table is going to be Sorcerer's Layer on classic single player mode. Only single player mode scores will be accepted. To submit a score, you must take and post a screenshot with the score and your gamer tag clearly in view. Use the pinball thread in the games folder for this. Top score wins a prize. The prize will be larger the more people participate. Additional prizes might be awarded depending on the amount of people we get playing. Do not discuss or inform others of the tournament. Participants must learn of the tournament through the podcast only. Posting scores and talking about the game is permitted. Above all, enjoy yourselves and good luck. Good luck.